Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's time for episode 225 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a special interview with Alethea, a comics creator who lives in the state of Alaska and who has created a wonderful series called Moonlit Dawn with the subtitle A Mythical Tale. It has a lot to do with wolves and we'll talk about that during the interview and the fact that she does everything on this comic from plotting through artwork, through coloring, and also lettering. So that's quite an accomplishment in my opinion. We also talk about the choice of color in the books, which often appears black and white until a spot color shows up and it happens with great effect which I really enjoyed. She mentions which convention she's going to be attending soon and the fact that the third issue is going to be out in the month of May and she'll have more to say about that as we talk. A word of thanks to James C. Munch from Insane Comics, the publisher of this series, for helping make this interview happen. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. Welcome to the podcast, Alethea, creator of a great indie comic from Insane Comics called Moonlit Dawn, A Mythical Tale. How are you doing today, Alethea? I'm doing very well, and yourself? 
good. I, I should mention that I had technical difficulties. We ran an interview and I got zero. So I really appreciate, Letha, your patience and the willingness to talk because I want to get the word about your good comic out. So I really appreciate being able to talk with you. Hey, it gets me a chance to talk to you again. Okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and start about your book. Let's talk about how you came to come up with the subject for Moonlit Dawn. Now, you live in Alaska, and probably, are there wolves up in that neck of the woods? I know that you like animals, and you have interacted with them and things like that. Like when I do that all the time, too. We actually raise three ducks here, and I'm, in the, I'm sitting out there talking with them. They don't talk back, so animals won't talk back to you either. <laughs> so where did the concept for Moonlit Dawn come from? I've always loved wolves. When I was about eight years old, I did a presentation on them, and I had to do a ton of research, you know, books, documentaries, and I just grew to love them. And as you mentioned, I love animals, and so when it came to Right Moon Ladon, it just kind of fell on it. Mm -hmm. And I also love anime such as, you know, Monoke and Wolf's Rain, and the Western animations like Watership Down and Plague Dog, you know, that Mm -hmm. are all animal-based. So when it came to Moonlit Dawn, it just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't seen any wolves up here, mm-hmm. but I have gone to places like the zoo or Wolf Haven in Washington. Mm-hmm. And I have seen wolves mm-hmm. interact and how they move and all their natural behavior and stuff. Mm-hmm. I studied up on them a little bit. <laughs> good, good. Well, one of the things I, I like about the book so much is that you've given the individual animals different character. They're not the same. The different ones that you have are very unique from each other, and their interaction is what we would expect in these circumstances. That wolves, the, the wolves are actually sort of wild. They attack in certain circumstances. They don't in other places. And like you said, your research probably really helped you with that as far as like telling the story. Yeah, on top of researching wolves and their natural behavior, I also researched the cliches and tropes to avoid and when making a story. And when they're interacting, I try and avoid the cliches where like story just starts out with fighting or something. And I, mm-hmm. and I just try and make it as natural as possible. But I also try and incorporate the natural proportions and the natural reactions that a wolf would do. So mm-hmm. I try and bring in their body language, like, you know, how their tails are raised or their ears are lowered or something <laughs> or, or what mm-hmm. stance they would make. And when they're fighting, you know, they, they usually go for the jugular. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I usually try and add all these different elements in to find the perfect balance. <laughs> Mm-hmm, it's very good. Cause I want to say right off the bat that I really like that about the story. Do you want to give like a basic TV guide version of what Moonlit Dawn's about? Well, in the basic premise of it, it's about two exiled wolf brothers, and they have to fight this corrupt goddess who's trying to destroy fate itself with her army of beastmen. Mm-hmm. We have the protagonists, Joker and Mischief, who are the exiled wolf brothers, and how they not only overcome their past, but they also you know, learn to master their elemental abilities and all this chaos internally and externally, what's going on around them. And so it's sort of like they have to decide, well, do they actually want to rise up to fight against the fates or do they want to just go along with the fates and protect it? And we also get a perspective onto Essence's uh, stance and why she is the way she is. Why is she evil? Why is she corrupt? Mm-hmm. Why is she defying the fates? And so I'm trying to not have there be essentially all good guys or all bad guys. I'm just trying to balance everyone out, just like the coloring. <laughs> you know, it's in, mm-hmm. it's in a gray scale. I'm trying to have the story be shades of gray. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's one thing, uh, of course, that, that fascinates me about the book is the fact that you use grayscale most of the time, and then occasionally something will happen that draws color into it. Mm-hmm. In the prologue, you have this one wolf that appears, or creature that appears in the background. We see like a dark shadow, and then in the shadow, we see two green eyes pop out. Of course, everything's been black and white to this point. And I remember it stunning me. Because, you know, after several pages of black and white, you kind of figure that's what's going to be the rest of the way. And I got to see these green eyes, and it really startled me, and I like that. And in another book, too, you use blood, and it comes out red as opposed to black and white. So, obviously, that was a really strong creative choice because it makes the color really pop off the page for me. Thank you. Yeah, all the colors, I try and have it there for a reason. So for the eye colors and, and with Joker and Mischief, they'll have their marking colors. I try and have it there to set them against the uh, background because everything's in grayscale and also they're wolves. So, you know, they can tend to look alike unless you have them with like scars or whatever. And I try and avoid scars because you put that cliche that I try and prevent. So the colors are there to set everyone apart for you to further identify each character and the blood that happens later on again in chapter three, which is going to be coming out. And it's sort of there to signify that you need to do this procedure for this ritual mm-hmm. so that readers can kind of connect that together. So that's why the blood is particularly colored in those scenes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, this is based on Celtic mythology, so loosely. Very loosely, like Essence, the evil goddess, she's loosely, loosely based off the Morrigan, who is a goddess of strife and war. It's not based on a certain story. There's just certain elements from Celtic mythology that I was inspired from that helped me shape the world of Moonlit Dawn. But it is set against a Celtic backdrop. So like the humans that are introduced, they live like an ancient Celtic life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really like the fact that the humans, when they get involved, they actually have ties to the wolves, as at least one of them does, as we see. And when you draw the humans, the humans are good too. And of course, the wolf expressions, as you were talking about, I really love the way you did that because... Oftentimes, it's hard enough to do a human expression, but to do an animal expression and to communicate those emotions is really good. I thought you did a terrific job on that. Thank you. I don't know. I've heard some people, it's hard for them to draw animal expressions, and I can understand that. It was hard for me in the beginning, too. I just kind of got used to it after a while. I kind of really try and focus on the facial region where the eyes are and the eyebrows would be. I try and have that as expressive as possible, and then the body language kind of just comes along with that to emphasize it more mm-hmm. and then and there you go you have an expressive wolf <laughs> mm-hmm. which is good because if you didn't do such a good job on that we might not be pulled into the story so strongly so i really liked that i thought it was great there's one part that's really cool where they're looking up at the stars in the prologue and you get a sense from it's a female with the male and the male is in a bad place mm-hmm and the female is there watching the stars with him, and as such, she works on him to bring him back to reality, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that when she's kind of mad at him at one point for doing things, for kind of considering a bad action, she's kind of got this look on her face like, oh, brother, how could you even think of such a thing? <laughs> yeah. Which is really great, and though. So the, the ability of, a, of expression, just oh, so well done, as well as the movements of the wolves and other animals, just really strongly done. So I really like that. So why don't we talk about the fact that you've got 
three issues out now. And issue number three, of course, we have to mention the first one is a prologue. Mm -hmm. And then you have chapter one and chapter two, with chapter three, as you said, is going to come next month in May. I'm just always curious as the creative process, how long does it take you to put an issue together? Depending on the issue, it can take anywhere from three to four months. Depends on the size and how much detail there is. And James from Insane Comics, he's so patient. And so if, if I need extra time, he'll give it to me. But I usually try and meet those deadlines. If I say it's going to come out in May, I will definitely, even if I have to you know, miss an entire week of sleep, I will try and miss <laughs> I will try and get it. <laughs> wow. Now, we should mention, too, the fact that you do everything on this book. You do the, the art, the Chris story, and also the lettering and the coloring. So this is entirely your baby. This is something that you do the whole thing for. That's why it takes a little longer. And if you've got other people, you can sort of hand off and you can go back to the writing or something if you're just a writer. But it's the coolest thing that you do the whole thing yourself. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I don't sleep and I don't have much of a social life. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's totally worth it. I mean, when you see the finished product and, and you've done all that you can to make it the best story that you can, it's such a satisfying feeling. So I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> mm -hmm. So why a prologue uh, instead of making that like issue one? I don't really know. <laughs> Okay. I guess because I've had to point out to me that nothing really happens in it plot-wise. Like, it doesn't further the plot. If if anything, it just helps you with further character development. Mm -hmm. If you want to know these two characters more, you, you can read the prologue. But, you know, you don't have to if you just want to get into the story. But it helps you know the characters. And as the story progresses, knowing that is really important to the, their motivations as to why they do things. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I love the prologue. I thought the prologue was a perfect start to it. <laughs> you know, you've got wonderful things going on between the two of them. They act, male and female, the male sort of, gosh, typical male stuff, I hate to say it. but And the female is much more, you know, she understands the wider perspective of things, which makes them like a perfect couple. They augment each other perfectly. Yeah, and she, she has a few secrets herself that will be revealed later on in the issues. <laughs> mm -hmm. It starts out so well, and then in issue one, things start to percolate and go along. And in issue two, of course, that's when the humans get involved. Although one of them, let's just say, gets involved on a very strong level. And he's apparently got a, a, a girlfriend, and there's a big shock as to what happens between the two of them, which I won't spoil. I hate to spoil. But really, really good stuff in issue two, particularly. And, God, it's so much fun the way it's written. Now, do you write a script, or do you actually just do the whole process altogether, like draw as you're doing things, and you don't bother with the script? Last year, I really tried to practice on scripting, <laughs> just mm -hmm. just to help uh, solidify ideas. But I did it, and then you know the next day I was like, oh, I have different ideas for this. I have to move this around, and scripting just became a huge horrible mess. My notebook by the end of the day was just lit on fire. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so I can't really do scripting at least for Moonlit Dawn. So everything that you see, I draw directly on comic paper, and then I write in the uh, dialogue and the lettering while while I'm also drawing too. But I also frequently look back on previous issues so that so I'm, so I'm remaining consistent with the story, with the dialogue, with, with how each character talks, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's good. So now, and, of course, you're married, too, and your husband helps with some of these. Mm -hmm. Yep. He is the beta reader and the guy that helps me solidify more ideas. <laughs> so oh, great. Usually he'll give me an uh, incentive of like, which, of, like, which scene I should go with or, like, what, what I should do in a certain scene because I'll have all these different alternatives. Like, should I have them fight this way or this way? And my husband will be like, you should have them do this. And I was like, that's a good idea. Or even with the ending, I had five different endings. And I was like, I don't know which one to choose. And he's like, do this one. It sounds cool. 
I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> now, you guys are comics readers, the two of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would say I'm a bit more of a manga and anime fan, mm-hmm. but I do read some Western comics. Mm-hmm. My husband, he, he loves comics, he loves video games, and he also does play sculpting for fun, so he understands the artistic aspect. <laughs> cool. Very cool. So he can provide input that helps you mm-hmm. with that. Which is great. That's a great way to do that because sometimes if you write something totally on your own and it makes sense to you, it may not make sense to others. So having somebody you can bounce off is just really invaluable. Exactly, exactly. You know, I'm just here in my studio. Don't get to see the outside world. I hiss at the sun. (laughs) So, so like, you know, having that outsider's perspective from my husband really, really helps me keep the story fluid. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a wonderful art thing about you in the book, and I thought I'd go ahead and read it. This is a freelance artist. Alethea is the creator and artist of Moonlit Dawn, a mythical tale. She spends her free time drinking coffee, watching too much anime, and hiking. Originally from Oregon, Alethea currently lives in Alaska with her husband and fur babies, a Malamute mix, and two cats. She's always open for commissions and new projects. And you list a nice website here. Why don't you go and let people know what the website name is? The website is moonlitdawncomic.com. And mm-hmm. there they can find they can find anything related to Moonlit Dawn. They can find you know the links to the issues. They can find news and updates and like convention schedules. They'll find original artwork. You know all everything related to Moonlit Dawn they, they can find on there. <laughs> okay, and you also are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yep, I do have my own Facebook page. It's www.facebook.com/wolvensister, and that's sort of like a central hub for my artwork or for Moonlit Dawn or for my webcomic. So, like, there's always updates being on there. <laughs> okay. Okay, so that's good. So there's lots of good ways to keep in touch with you. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to talk just briefly about there's neat little bits that you put in each comic. It depends. Sometimes it's at the end or sometimes it's at the beginning. There's, like, what looks to be, like, a little cat. Or is that a little wolf? And in issue number two, you have an afterword. And it's you basically talking, but it's going through the form of a little wolf, looks like. And then in this one, they've got little glasses. You use that a lot along the way as a way to contact or get in touch with fans, which is a very cool thing to do because not everybody does that kind of thing. But uh, it's a really cool little bit. You've got drawing on there, and you you thank people for buying the comic. Is it fun to do those kinds of things? Does that help as far as, like, interacting with fans? Yeah, I really love drawing those, those little afterwards. It's a fun like little doodle, and it's such a serious story, so so I'm able to do something cute every once in a while. It helps me a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. helps me not get as depressed as much, because the story can be pretty depressing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Now, you have a lot of action mm-hmm. going on in the book, too. It's, uh, you know, we talk about wolves, and wolves, of course, we expect them to do some fighting, and that happens in the books, but it happens only at specific times. And it makes good sense when they do those sorts of things. Was it tough doing that? Was it tough inserting the violence like that? Because most of the times you don't see all that stuff in animal stories. If it gets a little too violent, some folks get turned off. But you did a good job of making it realistic and yet not overpowering. As far as putting violence in the story and action like that, was that tough? Or knowing wolves and having done the research, that made sense? Well, being a comic artist, you kind of have to know the calms and the highs. So, so you have to know how to draw calming settings as much as you need to draw action settings. So when it came to drawing the action scenes, it wasn't too hard. I actually had a lot of fun because that's where you can really make characters jump out of panels. You can have them really expressive. 
and you can just go balls to the wall crazy. <laughs> wow. and it can be a lot of fun, but I would say the hardest thing is just remembering the lighting and remembering to keep proportions right because these are wolves, so like they have to go for the jugular or they have to go for the leg, you know, nothing too crazy, you know, <laughs> when it comes to fighting. So it's trying to find that balance of keeping proportions, keeping the lighting and also just remembering to have fun with it, too. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, it, it's really good. The female in the book has to do with the wolves. She's got great big eyes, which, of course, are very expressive, which is terrific because we need to see her expressions as things happen to her. So I liked even the animal expressions, but the human expressions were real good, too. So I, I like that a lot. I think that being able to understand emotions without having to her say, Oh, no, I'm really surprised now because a lot of people will write, use dialogue to express the emotions that maybe the artist can't convey. But we didn't need that with yours because everything, if there's a surprise, we see the surprise on their face. If there's fear, we see it on their face. Or if it's anger, it's just all on there real well. So, man, the, the expressions are just as good as the action. So that's one of the things I think the strongest parts of the books. Thank you. Yeah, you definitely need to remember that comic art is a visual storytelling. So I always try to show before I tell. Mm -hmm. So there's all this craziness, there's all this expression, there's all these feelings and emotions going on through the characters. And then I try and bring in the reasoning, you know, (laughs) the the rhyme Mm -hmm. and the reason behind these expressions and what's going on. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great book. The prologue is available, chapter one and chapter two. And with chapter three coming out of May, we're really looking forward to that. Now, as far as getting the books, of course, the all-important question, if you go to InsaneComics.com, they have a store there, and you can buy them digitally or in print copies. And do you go to conventions much? Uh, What about local stores? How do you access that and get the book out? Well, I'm brand new to the convention scene, but I'm going to be going to my first convention next month. Oh, boy. Yeah. going to be going to my first one next month called TaikaiCon, and there I'll be selling printed versions of Moonlit Dawn, and also I plan on going to SenshiCon this October, where I'll be selling more printed versions, you know, along with prints and bookmarks and all that fun stuff. Also, my publisher, Insane Comics, goes to conventions, too. If you go onto their website, www.insanecomics.com, there's a section there called Convention Schedule. And there they have conventions lined up from now until November. And, you know, if you're in the area that they're going to be at, you can pick up printed versions there. But if you can't find any printed versions anywhere in your area or anything, you can go through Drive Through Comics and get downloadable PDFs or, you know, mm-hmm. go through the Insane Comics storefront. I recently also just made a consignment deal with a local comic shop called Bosco's Cards and Games mm-hmm. here, in, here in Anchorage, mm-hmm. and it's a consignment deal, so I'm currently supplying printed versions there, so you know, if you're in Anchorage, <laughs> just go on to mm-hmm. Bosco's and ask them if they have them in the Dawn comics there, mm-hmm. um, and I'm currently trying to expand to other local comic shops, so slowly invading the world with Moon Dawn. <laughs> good, good. Well, that's the way to do it, it's just get out there and do signings. Or get as many stores as you can. And, you know, doing podcasts, of course, is a great way to get the word out, too. So always good to talk with you about that, too. And so you're going to be at several conventions and maybe hopefully get to some of the stores and make your presence felt there, which will be terrific. So as far as other projects, are there other things that you're working on that we should know about? Yes, I in my free time I work on a fantasy romance webcomic called Between the Realms. It's currently available on Tapastic and it's on the website on Tumblr. You just search Between the Realms in Google and it should pop up. <laughs> 
yeah, that one I do in my own free time, and it's, and it's human-based, so, you know, there's humans. Mm-hmm. And I'm also working on a few comics with some writers. I'm working on a couple projects with uh, Jordan King, who's the creator and author of series such as Sin Eater and Antichrist. And I'm also working on a comic short for Alex Giles, who is a letterer and author himself. And I've had a few comic creators approach me with concepts for future stories, just waiting on them to, to read the scripts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I'm always open for commissions and projects. If you, feel like, if you feel like I'm good enough for your story, I will definitely take a look at it. Okay, that's very good. So all kinds of good stuff. Now, you mentioned that you're up in Alaska. What's the comics community like up there? Because weather being what it is, it might be great to have comics to read on snowy nights and things. What is it like? Are there many comics readers? Are they supportive of what you do? Like I said, I'm brand new to the comic scene, so I haven't seen too much of the comic fandom up here. But what I have seen is that they're very supportive of their indie creators, mm-hmm. and they're also super nice. Mm-hmm. SenshiCon is the biggest convention going on up here, you know, annually, you know, 5,000 or 6,000 people. They may be small in numbers, but where they lack in numbers, they make up in support. So mm-hmm. the people up here are super awesome when it comes to indie creators and comics in general, and it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Well, that's good to do. And the more you get out there, I think you're going to find a lot of people are really supportive. And the more you network and things like that, there'll be a lot of other good things to interact with people and to learn and come across. So you're only just getting started. And boy, you're already, it's hard to believe this is just your first comic. Because it, it really makes sense as you go along. The art's great. Story make, it just makes emotion happen in me when I was reading it. So I'm really happy that it, it's doing real well. And uh, I can't wait to see issue number three. And we've got ways to do that. So And you've got a supportive community, so all the better to get up and do those things. So, Alethea, you're doing great stuff. I highly encourage you to keep going. And hopefully we'll get the chance to talk with you again. You've got other projects coming out, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I had a lot of fun on here. And thank you. Thank you for having me. From the comics universe, news, interviews, previews, and reviews, listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's it for this week. Be back next time when we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.